It's time to get chiseled with Rob Hamadari. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chiseled. And it's called Chiseled because we're all work in progress. So today I want to bring on a special friend, a special guest friend of mine. His name is James Sharp. I met him in Bermuda, I think it was, years ago after James experienced a, a tragic a fire, a fire in his house. His own house burnt down. So I met him after fire and we just connected at this event. We were at a seminar, a real estate seminar, and, and we connected uh, at, at this event. And James was at this event just days after the fire had occurred. And so we met, we connected. But what I learned about James, not only has he experienced fire, James is on fire. He's a person that's on fire. So, James, what, what I'd like to share with you a little bit or talk a little bit about is that, uh, you know, tell me a little story, James, I'm, real quick. I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Um, and is it from you? I'm hearing it from your end, I think. I don't know. You're okay? Yeah, I don't hear anything back, man. We're good. All right, so, all right. So I can chop. I'll see if I can chop that out. But anyway, so, James, if you would tell us a little bit, like, tell us this experience, because it wasn't just one fire. It was more than one. And yeah. we were talking about how this has chiseled you into who James is, man. So, James, if you don't mind, just share a little bit, us, a little bit with us what happened here. Man, first of all, thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, I'm super pumped and uh, excited to share the story. A lot of people don't know about me is I've not only survived one fire, two fires, but actually three fires. So I've survived three house fires in my time. And you're saying, how the heck, man, what's what's going on there? Well, start back when I grew up in Michigan there, we, we had a tremendous house fire. Actually, it was set with us inside the house with arson. So it's it's not a story I like to really repeat too often because it, it kind of really gets you, shakes you to the core. You know, somebody didn't like us based on our, you know, um, skin color, we'll just put that. We were living in a very troubled area in Flint, Michigan. And in that area, it was it was known that, you know, there's certain groupings, you know, White people lived on this side of town, black people lived on this side of town, and there was not really, you know, a good mix there. Well, we didn't come from any means, and so we were living in an impoverished area in Flint and a very rough area. And so one night when my mom had put us kids down to bed, she was expecting my little sis. She was about six months pregnant, so I was all fine back then. Um, she woke up to my little brother crying in the middle of the night and saw that the house was on fire with us kids inside the family inside. And the front door was barricaded, the back door was barricaded. So it was clearly a case of arson. Somebody had really tried to harm our family. And we got out by the grace of God. My mom opened up a bedroom window. We were in a one-story house, thankfully. She opened up a bedroom window and put us kids outside. And I remember running across the street, Rob, and, and going across to the neighbor's house and calling 911. And watching what I thought was my whole family going up in flames. Sure enough, um, mom saved us. Um, dad come home shortly after that from work. I saw him go in the back of the squad car, get handcuffed because the police thought he was the perpetrator. Like he's the one that set his family on fire. Turns out, you know, they checked out his alibi, said he was okay. Um, so we got all reconnected. But I remember Rob going through that uh, fire the next day. Um, we went back to the house and looking through the rubbish looking through the rubble everything a fire can heat up your house and it also can destroy your house in quick fashion and it's something that it could provide warmth and it also can provide devastation and a lot of people don't realize that but fire is something that you know if it goes out of control it could just consume a, a you know everything and everything in its path so i remember taking a little stick and i was trying to find something any recollection and i remember seeing like 
metal pieces of our dining set. I remember finding some pieces of uh, my toys that got burned up, but lost everything. And so in, in going fast forward, you know, I've, I've survived two other fires there, similar consequences with, you know, major devastation and stuff there, but kind of a constant theme to it is, you know, the stuff that we have in life can be taken away in an instant. It's just, we're here just have been the blimp, you know. We got we got the beginning of our life when we're born. We got the end date and the, the dash. And the dash is something that it, it's a blink of an eye. And so when we met, as you touched on, we uh, had suffered my third fire, which, you know, was caused by a candle getting knocked over in our house. And uh, again, quick fashion, I go try to put out a fire and that was an accidental fire. Um, like the second and third ones, uh, accidental fires can be something where you don't intend to create a fire, but sometimes by you not being attended to stuff, um, we had electric kiln in the house in the second fire that was put in the garage and just being kind of careless about having some packing material next to the very hot kiln caused that fire. Thankfully, we've got that put out, but in each situation, I was present to what was going on. And yet, I was also kind of at a point where it was surreal, Rob. It was like an out-of-body experience because watching, you know, the devastation of a fire, you know, a third fire after that happened, I, I mean, it, it was like not even five, ten minutes. It just tore through my entire house and anything and everything I had. And it just was gone in, the, in just quick fashion. But in every situation, by the grace of God, I was able to get out the family get out my kids in last situations um, and just go back and just recollect that. Thank God that I got out and that nobody was hurt. Nobody got injured in any of these fires, but man, this, the devastation of wake of all that destruction and how quickly that can happen. It just, it kind of rocks me to the core to this day. You know, I still have a very healthy respect for fire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, James, thanks so much for sharing that. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it's the, the thought of one fire going through and then going through twice and a third time over. I mean, one, it breaks my heart. And, and two, it just it just amazes me the strength and courage you had to keep to keep the resilience. Let's use that word, the resilience James yeah. Sharp had to pick pick yourself up each time. And and like I heard it said, like, you know, we have these forest fires or these these huge forest fires every year all over the country, over the world. And although that is bad and it's negative, it's also a, a chance for the earth to refresh itself. Absolutely. So burn something down and then it gets a chance to build back up, gives all the, the uh, more oxygen to the soil to re regrow, reborn itself, I guess you could say, if that's the appropriate word. So like you had the first fire and I'm thinking, okay, what's going through his mind? I mean, is there like, God, why me? Or is there like, all right, I got this. Or is there a combination of the two? You want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, so I was a very tender five years old, and it, oh, it really kind of just it left a mark on me. And it wasn't until much later I, I did what they call a landmark form, where you spend a lot of time unpacking the stuff of the past and making reconciliation with that. And one of the things that I came to recognize that it, it scored me for a number of years, Rob. I'll be honest with you, I was very introverted to begin with. I was very self conscious. I used to get beat up and 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 bullied horribly. I mean, I got rocks thrown at me. I got knocked off of my bicycle. I had kids jump me and beat on me and call me names and everything. And, and I remember just coming black and blue or, or bloodied up and stuff coming home and just thinking, well, somebody doesn't like me for my 
economic position or my skin color or just how I dressed and what I acted. And it was just so sad because for a lot of years, that really left a mark on me as to I better be mindful, watch my P's and Q's, what I say and do, because somebody may harm me. And that's no place to be. And thankfully, through Landmark and some other personal growth I've done with a lot of different uh, you know, coaches and, and people of you know, personal growth, I've been able to reconcile like, hey, that the past is the past. Where we came from doesn't define where we're going. You know what I'm saying? And thank yeah, God for yeah. that. Because one of the things that I learned now is that I welcome that challenge upbringing because it made me very resilient. It made me very determined. It made me very um, committed to do my absolute best. And it was, um, there was a byproduct of that too, where I really, I strove to push myself to get out of that economic um, position. Like I just, I hated being in that position of poverty. I did not want to be there. And I certainly didn't want to have my family there. And so I worked extremely hard to get in a better position. So I look at it now as like, that was a blessing because um, recognizing that, you know, yeah, I don't want to go through a fire by any means, but also to recognize that we can rebuild. We're a process of rebuilding. And outside of the crucible, I mean, we're all dealing with some sort of crucible in our lives. If you're going through life in 2021, when we're recording this, you're still coming out of you know post-COVID. We're dealing with stuff every day. You hear all these things that are happening in the news. We're all coming out of some sort of crucible where you need to realize and what I've realized from this is that we should embrace the crucible, embrace the heat because out of the heat and the, the purification can occur. You know, some of the best stuff that's come out of it. And I've always said this statement there as I heard it given to me. It was like, everything's happening for me, not to me. And when I've embraced that, this, as challenged as it was, Rob, has been a blessing for decades later. For 20, 30, 40 years later after it's occurred, I'm now a better person. I have tremendous respect for other people of other cultures, other upbringings, and people who have no means and stuff there. In fact, I created a nonprofit out of this whole experience. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So that's awesome. James, real quick, before we keep going there, you know, so not everybody might, might not understand uh, the word crucible. Tell, explain a little bit more what you mean by the crucible piece. Yeah, the crucible is where, you know, you go into like the, the hottest part of the fire. You know, it's where, you know, a lot of times people are dealing with stuff in life, sometimes self you know, prevented and sometimes, you know, self-encouraged. Um, but, you know, like I didn't ask for these things to happen, but because of where I was coming out of it, to me, the discussion of the crucible is the circumstances that surround that and then coming out of that. So uh, but a crucible in layman's terms is something that uh, you put like metals and other objects in to purify them. So you see gold gets purified uh, when it's put in the crucible and heated up and impurities come up and then you get a higher quality gold. Man, that, that's that's so awesome. Thanks for that explanation. And what, what I'm thinking about now, you use the word purification and then this is so off tangent, but you're taking me down a road here. Like I, I'm a very spiritual guy and there's this, I was talking to a, a priest one time and he said, you know, there's three stages to the road of holiness. And, and he says the first stage is illumination. The second stage is purification. And the third stage is sanctification. 
So I'm not asking everybody to come in here and be a monk, but I, I want you to, if, you, if you all want to get to this place, you know, a, a higher place, we call it heaven, whatever you want to call it. We want to get there to that place. There's, there's this thing we have to get sanctified. Well, part of that, we, you get, all this stuff has to be illuminated to us. So you had the fire and the fire is a light and made you aware of so many things. And in that process of the fire, you, like you said it yourself, it was a purification process. You had to go through that crucible and it got purified. And yeah. I, maybe you're not a monk yet. Maybe you're on your way to be a monk. Maybe you want to be a monk. I don't know, James. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we all get purified. But part of the purification process is getting chiseled. And so you, you might not have gotten chiseled literally, but it was melting. You were melting those pieces off of you. And, and I just got chills. James, I just got chills saying that because yeah. – we're a blob. We come into this world and we're a blob and God's chiseling away at us. And, and, and instead of chiseling you, he's melting pieces and parts away from James Sharp to become this, this awesome dude that he is. And yeah. uh, it, it's, we we talk every, for all the listeners out there, James and I, from that point in time, we met in Bermuda and James, I forget how many years ago it was. But 2008, it was, uh, man, that was 13 years ago. Yeah. 13 years ago and we connected connected on and off a little bit here and there but but at some point in time maybe for the last six or seven years maybe every thursday morning james and i are on the phone without fail and we talk about this stuff we talk about how we can be better how we can evolve into the best versions of ourselves and you know james has been through some tragic pieces here right but from part of this james's last name is sharp and james is a james is a super generous guy he's got a huge heart and James has created this 5013C foundation, charitable foundation, and it's called Sharp Shoes. Now, before James talks a little bit about that, if you don't know James, he's from Dallas, Texas. And they and they do different they do things different in Texas, right? So James has probably yeah. got, I don't know, maybe I don't know, how many pairs of shoes do you have for yourself? 30, 20, <laughs> how many pairs do you have? Uh I don't even know, to be honest with you. I know it's more than 50. I'll just put it that way. 50 pairs of shoes and, and, and people. You, you, I don't know if you have anything nearby. You can grab a shoe and show us, James. But if I, I James and I go to these seminar events, and James, <laughs> if you go in his hotel room, man, he's got he's got a, a section, uh, and he's got that. a whole section just for <laughs> shoes. There we go. So we'll show people. Yeah. Some people see this video, but he's got the yeah. craziest. They're they're pretty crazy shoes. They're crazy. Yeah. They might be loud. Who knows? But but he's you know he's but sharp shoes is not about the sharp shoes James wears. Right. It's about the sharp heart that James has to provide shoes for the less fortunate people in, 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 in his community. But I think he has bigger visions and I'll let him tell us about that. So tell us yeah. about sharp shoes and your vision, James. So after that first fire, you know, we, we were bouncing around. We, we stayed in my dad's uh, place of employment there. His, his, he had a TV repair shop. So we lived out the back of the TV repair shop and we lived in some hotels. We were just hand them out there. And really, we're going into, um, this was 1976. So my sister had just been born, my little sis. There was four of us kids, two boys, two girls. And so that Christmas, we weren't going to have a Christmas, dude. I mean, we lost everything in the house for dad was struggling and just keep us fed. I always said mom did the miracle of the five loaves and five fishes because she would magically make meals happen. We had no, <laughs> no, no deal to put together. I mean literally going in the cupboard and there'll be, you know, she's like, all right, today we're having macaroni and cheese. I said, yeah, minus the cheese, mom. It'd be just macaroni, a little bit of butter and milk. But uh, you know what? We didn't care. We were just happy to be alive and stuff. But a couple of days before Christmas that year, there was a knock on the door. 
and it was the Shriner group, the guys, the funny caps and tassels that came in and they brought in, somebody told somebody about our family and the tremendous need after the house fire. And so these guys, they were all men, big grown men, burly men, bringing in bags and bags of groceries, bags and bags of toys, bags and bags of clothes. And they brought each of us kids a pair of shoes. Rob, I never, ever forgot what that made me feel. Because remember, here I'm dealing with a lot, a lot of trauma when I'm five and six, you know, just saw our house go up in flames, you know, and I was barely getting out, surviving by, you know, grace of God, getting out alive and then not to have anything. And then, you know, kind of being really in a position where I always had my cousin's hand-me-downs. And I remember the white Converse pair of shoes still to this day, dude, I held them in my hands and I said, wow, my very first pair of shoes, new shoes. And I wore them to school after that Christmas break and I felt like a million bucks. That feeling never left me. And it felt like there was this turnaround that somebody outside of my family thought enough about us to bring us a little bit of Christmas joy that year. And what would that mean if somebody didn't you know, know me that loved me so much compared to these people that didn't know me but tried to kill me? Does that make sense? And the dichotomy mm -hmm. of that, it's, you know, instigated and started formulating that, hey, it's not all bad in the world, that there's people who really do care. And I always kind of made a point, a little mental note, even at six years old, to pay it forward. I didn't even know how to or what to, but fast forward. So I get the house fire in 08, 2008, where we meet in Bermuda. And I'm in a room full of some of my favorite people on the planet. And everybody's like, hear my story of the house fire. And they're like, man, I can't believe you're here. I mean, that was just so devastating. Um, we want to help. And so they passed around a little, it was actually a little sand bucket that you get at little, the, you know, the plate store. There. <laughs> and they put in, some people put in ones, fives, tens, twenties, whatever. They passed around this bucket and there was, you know, people put it in, in monies left, right, and center. And what was so ironic with that deal here we are talking about, you know, coming out of the fire, how the best things of life come out of purification, getting chiseled, if you will. When I got all this money put together, they handed it to me and this group of people that just loved on me and said, we want to help you rebuild. They raised to the dollar the exact amount of my deductible needed so I could rebuild my house. And it just, again, another moment. Okay, so I was very young, six. Some people outside of me didn't know me, the Shriner Group brought some joy at Christmas and they just loved on me and my family. Fast forward, so 40 some years later, another group that loves on me, supports me, says, hey, we wanna help you rebuild. And then I get an opportunity to hear a group and I'm now, you know, 48. And so I'm sitting in this ballroom and I'm watching this fantastic gala happen. And it's a group here in Plano, Texas. It's called City House. And they're done by a group of volunteer women who reach out to kids in need, these transition kids, these kids that are pulling out of CPS situations, homeless, um, runaways, you know, and give them a new fresh start. Give them a house, they give them food, they give them clothes, they give them shoes and shelter. When I heard shoes, Rob, I heard there was a reckoning there. It was like a ringing bell. And I think with this whole thing about talking about being on fire is sometimes in life, you have to have your bell ring. You have to have that moment where you're like, you know what, what's happened is happening for me. 
and I'm supposed to be in this place. I'm supposed to have gone through three house fires and survived. That's a key thing too. I have not ever let that be the determining factor of where I'm going in life. I've always said, because I'm here, I have unfinished business. And to me, mark my words, we have a lot of unfinished business. We have a ton of kids out here who don't even have a pair of shoes. Their parents can't afford a pair of shoes. They're showing up first day of school in flip-flops or these sorry excuses for shoes. And it just breaks my heart. So our mission at Sharp Shoes, we're gonna outfit a million pairs of kids' shoes on these kids' feet that deserve them. So James, real quick, as you're sitting there, it's a million's a big number, right? It's a big yeah. number. And there might be some people out there saying, no, that's, that's a big, audacious goal. Well, so really, James, how long is it? About a, about a year, year and a half now, Sharp Shoes, somewhere around? Yeah, two time? years going. Two years, two years ago. Okay. And, and how many pairs of shoes have you given away in those two years? So we're up to over 12,000 pairs since I started there. And what happened was, so I go to this gala, I hear this group, and I started doing some investigative work because I was like, I have a flair for shoes. You know, I kind of dress with these cool shoes. And I actually had business owners and business people in my sphere you know, of influence and my peers in real estate said, man, you have some sharp shoes. And it just kind of started connecting the dots where I'm like, you know, I have this opportunity, not, not like just lost on me, but it's it's a gift. You know, I'm here as a gift. I should be dead, dude. I could have been in that house fire, the first one and gone, never to be seen, but I'm here as a gift. So I better recognize this. So I started what I call the 12 days of shoes. That was December of 2018. And so, for the first 12 days of December that year, I pour all my heart and soul into picking 12 of my favorite pairs of shoes. Remember, I got a whole bunch and yeah. I put them on social media. And I said, guys, it's not about these, these fancy shoes, but it got the people's attention and I got business owners' attention. So I said, I'm raising some awareness for these kids that need shoes. We raised 500 pairs of shoes that December. And I gave all those out to local charities, including the city house group. They were floored. They were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. We we were not going to have any shoes for these kids at Christmas. And here are Sharp Shoes blessed those kids. And we did that for 12 other organizations, passed out all 500 pairs of shoes. I call it Mama. I said, Mama, remember when the Shriners brought us gifts and the clothes and the food? And she forgot them. She said, oh, man, honey, I, wow. I said, Mama, I never forgot. That was 42 years ago, Mama. I said, I never forgot how that made me feel, getting those pairs of shoes. She's like, oh, that's right. I remember that now. I said, Mama, I just gave out 500 pairs of shoes. That's awesome, James. So, so he's given out 12,000 pairs of shoes. So listeners out there, he's two years in. He's 988,000 pairs of shoes shy of his goal. So that sounds like a big, it sounds like a long, long task. But you know, think about it. He's talked to me and he's talked to some other people in this community that we're yeah. uh, together. It's called uh, Brian Buffini or Buffini and Company. And uh, the idea is maybe to get some people in different states to kind of do this, you start doing the same thing. So exponentially, linear, on a linear level, it's James just get, getting shoes out. But if, if he gets other people to help at different parts of the country, different parts of the world, that goal is going to hit. There's no doubt in my mind James Sharp is going to hit that goal of giving, giving away a million pairs of shoes. And I think we all want to help anybody, any listener here. If you want to get in contact with James about that, uh, we, James, real quick, give your give a, a contact information now because i got a few more questions on before we go. Absolutely. They can go on the website, sharpshoes.org. That's sharp, S-H-A-R-P, shoes, S-H-O-E-S. 
sharpshoes.org, sharpshoes.org. And they can you know, donate any amount that they want to, or they can even nominate a family. They know somebody that's in desperate need right now. We're also taking that. Um, it got real personal, Rob, though. After I did that conversation with mom, I said about the 500 pair, she had a massive stroke that night, that same yeah. night. So the last conversation I had with mom was about the shoes. And after that, a few weeks later, we lost her. She had another massive stroke and we died and she died. And so this is now very personal to me. And so my mission and in memory of my mom is to do sharp shoes and continue on because she was a nurse. She was a nurse for over 30 years. And she would, I mean, she, those are the only reason why I'm here. It's the only reason my family is yeah. here. And all these yeah. kids are going to be impacted because one lady did something very special. She saved us family uh, that first house fire. And, and so, I remember us. God, I'm sorry. And we're going to make a difference there, dude. I am just not going to give up. So, and I know you're right. Yeah. So, and I remember the days talking about that, James, when, when your mom passed. And, uh, you know, my condolences still, you know, up to you. And we talk about that stuff. And, you know, you, you have, and this isn't, I guess it is a pun intended, but you have a fire burning in your heart. And yeah. you, have, you have the fire for the memories from everything your mom did for you. And, and, and James, you know, you're a single dad. You're a single dad of three yeah. kids. And, you know, I, you you got it, brother. You got it. But James and I always talk about being brothers from another mother. And yeah. uh, we have these conversations every week. And and he's got it. He's got it going on. And not only had, like I said earlier in the show, not only did he go through three fires, this is a guy that's on fire. And anytime you have a conversation with James, you hear the energy and you hear the enthusiasm and all those those words are, I guess, synonymous with fire. And and James is just an awesome guy. He, he's a beautiful person inside and out. And, you know, a, a guy I call one of my best friends. And then we just we get together you know, at these events during the course of the year and just have these conversations. And, you know, James, I want to go back. I want to backtrack real quick. So sure. I was there at that event in, in Bermuda, we, as we mentioned earlier, when they handed that bucket around. And, and you know, I. I was on that pre previous ep previous couple episodes. I, I said, you know, I'm trying not to get emotional on these things, and tears come out of nowhere sometimes. And I, I'm going to be known as a crier, you know. But I, but I think about what that meant to you when that bucket was passed around, and I think about, you know, Brian Buffini was up on stage and he announced the number that was collected, and you guys, I think you took a mic and said that's exactly what your deductible was, and you know, so I remember that, and just and this is a time, I guess, if you can just tell me, sure, you know. You said how much that meant to you there, but think about the impact that had on everybody else there in that in that audience that day. They were there, they were supporting you, but there was definitely there was definitely a spirit in that audience. There was definitely a fire in the air going in that audience that day. And, and, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was a special time. There was a, a definite energy there. That's kind of what I challenge any of the listeners there is don't be afraid to answer the call whenever that call is. And sometimes it is a fire or something major tragic. I mean, somebody's going through cancer, somebody has a car accident, somebody lose a loved one. I had lost mom to stroke when she's 10 or age of 67. But anytime that bell gets rung and there's a moment of truth, you know, a moment of decision, you know, we to take a small action or a massive action. And so that was such an amazing time because people who I didn't even know, I didn't know everybody in that room. When, you know, I was going to that event. And, and I hadn't really met you yet at that point. And I had really reservations even going because how often in life do we let something kind of hang us up and, and concern us? So like, well, how's it going to be perceived? How am I going to feel about it? Stuff like that. Versus just going for it and being our true authentic self there and being that work in progress too. When I showed up there in Bermuda, I was as raw as you could have been because I got everything ripped out, stripped out. 
Um, my house was still smoldering when I left it. I mean, good grief. Um, didn't know where I was going to go to a single dad, take care of these three kids. And, um, again, you know, just that point of like super low because I had just gone through a divorce. I had just started over rebuilding and then have it all taken away. And, and yet to, to push through that and say, there's a higher purpose here. There's something that needs to come out of this. And I'd be remiss if I didn't really answer the call, answer the bell. So when that bucket got pushed around, passed around, I was like, I was just blown away. I was, I was an emotional wreck. I mean, I was just bawling my head off. And you yeah, and the other 500 people in that audience. Yeah, there was so much, <laughs> there was so much love. And, and here's the, the challenge of that is when in life have you had that moment where somebody needed help and did you give them a little bit of help? Does that make sense? And that yeah. to answer that call and to be on fire at all times, because, you know, one of the things that's brought us together with all this is that through the challenge and through the adversity, there's a blessing on their side. And like I said, right now, to this day, best thing that happened to me, Rob, was that fire in 2008 when I lost everything. And that's you're amazing. like, what the hell are you saying, man? I, I will mark my words. It is the blessing of blessings because it taught me the value and the importance of gratitude. I am so grateful every single day now because I recognize that, hey, it could all be gone like this. I saw and was witness to how quickly a house full of all the earthly possessions I have could be gone oh, like that. I answer that call and just to say every single day when my two feet hit the ground and I'm grateful for any little thing, you know, um, it just it just is a game changer. Yeah, so James, what I want some of the listeners to take away from here, it's, and I don't know where everybody is spiritually or biblically or whatnot, but when I think about everything you've been through, um, I think of the biblical character Job, and yeah. I mean, he had everything. I mean, the guy had everything, everything in it up and up, and it got all taken away from him, and he came back, and he came back with fire and faith, and he, he never lost his faith in God, you know, and, and I know you have that faith as well, and I just, I just think about, you know, what I want everybody to hear is James's energy. I want to hear everybody hear his positivity as he talks about what he's been through. You know, raised the three kids on his own, divorce, three fires, and there's other things I'm sure that's going on as well in his life. And it's it's answering a call. And James has answered it. He's answering it, and I know he's going to continue to answer the call. So as we wrap up here, James, it's just. Um, it's a pleasure. I'm honored to know you. I'm honored to be a friend of yours. I, I love the phone calls we have every Thursday and they're you know, 10, 15, 20 minute calls sometimes. And, and we get to know more about each other. We get, we get to chisel away at each other along the way. And That's right. I, I, I guess just if we could wrap it up with, with, you know, if you could share with everybody, like, how do you, how do you feel? I mean, if you answered in some sense of the word, but how do you feel God's working on you here? You know, you, I, I believe he's working on you. I think you believe he's working on you, but how do you feel he's going to continue to work on you here and chisel away at James Sharp and become the guy he's supposed to become? Well, I have a quick story here. So after that third fire, I it started up in the second story and it decimated my whole attic, it decimated all the upstairs. I was going through the day after sitting through and I was like, oh man, I've lost all my momentum, all the kids, his pictures and baby prints and stuff like that. And I started digging through and I found a little box and I found this little plaque and it had my little daughter's footprints. It was her first daddy's day footprints to me oh my and it survived the fire dude that was in the direct path of the fire so answering your question i'm like he's got it he saved that for me i still have that to this day and her little baby footprints on that little plaque and it should have been destroyed in the fire rob 
It should. There's no reason. Everything else is gone, decimated. The heat of that fire was thousands of degrees. Whereas this little plaque, it's like he said in the story of Joe, I will never forsake you. I'll never leave you. I will always be there for you. And I knew no matter how low it would go with the feelings and the depression and the challenge, you know, all the stuff you have to rebuild and, and get back through. I mean, I lost all my son's birthday gifts in the fire and, and you know, it was his birthday like a couple of days later and having people who didn't know him go out and buy him birthday gifts and, and so we could have a birthday party for Tucker and, you know, stuff like that. I was seeing my little baby's footprints there and that survived. It, it gave me solace. It said, no matter what, he's always there with me. And that's what I And to me, that's the whole charge now. It's like, I give you a gift, James. You're alive. You're here for a purpose. I'm not done with you yet. And if it's to make these kids get the shoes and other things, man, let's do it. What am I to question that? And so I, I go to Nick Wojcik, he's the guy, no arms, no legs, no limits, okay? And he charged us last February before COVID hit to go crazy big with a goal. And up to that point, you know, I'd done you know, 5,000 pairs of shoes of, you know, 2019 and 2020, I was gonna do, you know, 5,000 pairs, whatever, all these things. And then he's like, I want you to go really crazy big on this, you know, get in, you know, with your maker and, and go something crazy. So that's where the million pairs of shoes came from. And I wow. shared that with Nick. And he's like, man, I love that, dude. I love it. And, you know, for this thing, Rob, you know, I don't know how it's going to all happen. I'm a real estate agent, for goodness sake. But you know what? We're going to we're going to freaking do it. You're going to hit that goal. Cool. It's going to happen. And what's so cool is, you know, other good things have happened from it. When when you have that talent and you have that opportunity and that I think it's a gift, you know, to be here and to be charged with that gift. And that's why I say every day I treat it like the present. So I'm honored to be on your show, brother. I'm honored to be chiseled with you. And I uh, hope this gives a little insight to some people of what, you know, the gift of this opportunity is. You know, we, we have the one shot, one opportunity. What are you going to make of it? That's awesome, Jason. And you're all, I, I love, again, I love you. You're awesome. You've been a, a great host. I mean, a great guest on the show here today. And uh, James said, real quick, we'll finish with this. James is a real estate agent in Dallas, Texas. And you can get, get a hold of him through Sharp Shoes. Real quick, what's your, what's your email address for your business, James? Oh, it's the sharprealestategroup.com. Yeah. He's, he's got sharp and everywhere. Sharp, sharp everywhere, everywhere, man. And anytime he autographs something, he uses a Sharpie. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> so, do, bud. Sure do. James, we love you. Thanks for being on the show. And just everybody remember, we're all work in progress. So with that said, let's go get chiseled. Thanks so much, James. Have a good one. Appreciate you, bud. You just got chiseled with Rock on to like this podcast share it with your friends and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes also you can find rob's book on amazon better than you